Hello and welcome everybody, my name is Gio from SwitchRPG.com. We have a special, special episode here today. Today we are going over our top turn-based RPGs on the Nintendo Switch. We have nothing else to promote here, nothing else, this is just strictly top turn-based RPGs on the Switch. Now, we have quite a substantial list here. There are tons yep. of turn-based RPGs, but we have a list of almost 40 RPGs here. Gargantuan. Yeah. Gargantuan. And this wasn't even all of them. No. These are the ones that we thought were worthwhile. Right, exactly. There was way more than this that we had to kind of shovel through. Right, so we have 36 to be exact. Now, I'm going to go over our honorable mentions first. There are um, 16 of them. I'm just going to rattle them off, okay? Definitely going to want to, if you're out there, you're looking for turn-based RPGs, you're going to want to take, you know, find uh, interest in these. Final Fantasy VIII is, uh, is one. Uh, Ring Fit Adventure. A lot of people don't even know that this is an RPG, and it is very much an RPG. Yep. And uh, cost... an exercise. Uh, and an exercise. Get outside or not get outside. I don't even know. Weird times right now. Um, Cosmic Star Heroin is a uh, kind of a throwback to Chrono Trigger. Uh, what else? Uh, Valkyria Chronicles, the first one. And then Disgaea 4 Complete. I would say most of the Disguise you could you could put in here, but Disgaea 4 Complete plus... I mean, there's so many iterations there. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 did not crack our top 20. Uh, Mutineer 0. Now, there's obviously, there's... Don't play it in handheld mode. Play it in dock mode. You'll have a much better time enjoying it. It is not bad in dock mode. Uh, West of Loathing. Now, this is an old... Is this one of the... No, this isn't original. Is, I'm thinking... This, it released about... Getting close to, like, two years from now. So. Okay. Uh, West yep. of Loathing is a is a uh, turn-based Western. Not a Western Actually, RPG. It might, it might have been one year ago. Yeah, I I think it's probably... Uh, I think you're right. Less than... Yeah. Uh, about a year ago. Uh, West of Loathing is a Western set. Not a Western RPG. I, I guess... I don't. I'm. I'm making it more confusing than what it, what yeah, it, it is. It, it's. It's a western. It's kooky. It. It's based on the Kingdom of Loathing, like old school web browser game, way back like in the early two thousands. Yeah. Uh, it's purely comedy based. It's. It's a. It's like its own standalone game that is very much inspired by the kingdom of loathing stuff mm -hmm. but it's west of loathing it's a self-contained uh just full romp experience rpg experience but super super heavy on the comedy uh it's ridiculous the classes that you pick are ridiculous just the quests that you pick up are, are is ridiculous it's actually really fun yeah and when i say western i'm trying to differentiate between a western rpg and like a cowboy RPG. It's more of a cowboy RPG. Uh, then we have Final Fantasy IX. Um, Excellent Final Fantasy game. I actually, uh, I prefer uh, 9 and 10, honestly, but um, we'll get there. Uh, this guy, 5? South yep. Park, frac the Fractured But Whole. Mm -hmm. uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and or Pikachu. Battle Chasers Night War. Th uh, this is one of my go-tos. I absolutely love Battle Chasers. I love the the artwork in there, the the design there, the really really comic book looking cell shaded type of stuff. Uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and some people might be a little upset that it didn't make the top twenty. Uh, we 
And if this were a different world, it could definitely make the top 20. Unfortunately, it didn't make it to this list. It's in our world, Johnny. It's in our world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of upsetting people, Undertale did not make our top 20. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> send all the hate to Geo. You can send it to me. The Nerd Basement at switchrpg.com. I love and open all emails. Uh, <laughs> uh, SteamWorld Quest is also one that did not crack our top 20. So quite a substantial list there. Definitely recommend those. That, that's for sure. Yeah. But, we're, but we're ranking them here. So. All right. You ready for this? I'm ready. Let's, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Operencia, number 20. The stole Operencia, the Stolen Sun. Now, this is a throwback to kind of your first-person dungeon crawler. It looks really, really well. It plays really, really well. Um, I think on our site, we rated it good. I'd have to look and see. Now, there are kind of, there are some, you know, things that are wrong with it like there are a lot of puzzles and it doesn't really the game doesn't really tell you exactly what to do you're kind of left to your own vices to figure things out but visually it looks cool uh good um this the narrator and the voice acting is good and i think the turn the the i like the turn base here where it be where it sets itself apart is that they are you know you do have a party um against say the field and that field is also differentiated between your foreground middle ground and background uh so there's some depth there and some of your attacks are only powerful say for example range attacks are really good and strong against your further enemies and your melee is really strong against your foreground enemies and you kind of have to battle you know that out and balance it out um Operante, is that something that you are familiar with, Johnny? Uh, well, I've seen the videos of you playing that game in particular, okay. but for the genre, that, that old-school uh, grid-based movement, dungeon-delving, exploring uh, game, I, I kind of almost grew up on those to, to not a, an extreme amount, but whenever I could get my hands on them, I definitely played them, and I really enjoyed them. They tested your... They were... When it came to exploration, they tested your memory. You had to like really memorize how you navigated through the dungeon. The dungeon itself was pretty much a maze uh, for each floor that you're going through, and you had to. Uh, and as you said before, the puzzle elements were very obtuse, and that's part of the old school design that they wanted to seemingly they wanted to uh, maintain to some degree because those dungeon delving games they were kind of like Myst, but with D and D elements in there, right. so it's like right. a, a beautiful combination of the two. Yeah, I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, and yeah, I definitely recommend that one as well. Um, why don't you introduce number nineteen? So number nineteen is Valkyria Chronicles Four, and this game came out first on the Switch, and then it got later followed up by the original, the Valkyria Chronicles game, which we have in our honorable mentions as we just said mm -hmm. but uh four is definitely the better game the better romp through there's more polish in there there's uh, more interesting mechanics uh maybe the story might not be as great but uh it offers something very different with the combat experience where yes there are there is a real time aspect to when it is your character's turn but uh you sort of have a budget 
And depending on what you do with that character in real time, uh, if you're standing still, real time doesn't happen. So it's okay. only when you're like moving or taking an action does your budget get spent. Kind of like uh, other games, other turn-based games, where you have like a limited number of actions that you can do, and like attacking costs two action points, and moving okay. costs etc. So it kind of has that going for it, um, but it your movement is more important because there's terrain environment. What you are combating in is sort of like a miniature, uh, a mini battlefield where there are uh, different terrain elevations. Uh, there is places to take cover behind because this is kind of like a steampunk World War One kind of game. It, yeah, because you have not, like like tanks and and things like yep. that, and like um, more. Is it mortars that you have? And uh, well, you have a tank. Uh, I don't know if you ever get more than one tank, but you have other members, uh, other squad members that have different classes, different roles that they fill out as well. So you can have like a sniper. You can have uh, okay. uh, machine gunners and and grenader uh, people that can use grenades that can help take down ta uh, enemy tanks. So yeah, there's there's a bunch of different classes and roles, and and you're controlling multiple of these characters, all all of these individual units at the same during the same set of combat. Uh, okay. They just have to navigate differently, and you're controlling each one at different points during right. each round of combat. Cool. It's a it's a very interesting thing that there's no other game on this list that plays the same way no. as this game. No. So it You're stands right. out as being pretty unique. Yeah. Yeah, definitely definitely does. Uh number 18, Indivisible. Indivisible. I had a really good time with Indivisible. I got to put more 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 time into it. I I didn't realize that this was like a 30 plus hour game. I really didn't realize that. And there are so many different I'll call them party members. They're not really party members. They're all people or characters that live inside your main character's head. Um, I, I guess I'll put it that way. And they're all, yeah. And they're all like they're all party members. Um, but there are tons of them. There are like there are over thirty of them as well. There's there's a lot of it, and they all play a little bit different. But it's almost now this we this is a turn based uh, grouping here that we have. Uh, but the, Indivisible is a little bit different. It certainly is turn based, but it almost rides that line of active time battle as well so yep. the, there's a there's a little bit of that um and there's and in that there's just um there's you can also it has that paper mario effect where you can defend and and also get extra attacks with button timings so it, it also has a little bit of that as well um but yep. it's fully voiced uh it's a it's fully voiced the animation is really really cool the environments are awesome. The music is really good. The main protagonist isn't annoying, so um, she she is really really good. So indivisible. It, it's it's a recent addition to the Switch, and it's very much recommend recommended. Okay. Next number seventeen. Yeah. This is three games in one. The banner. The banner saga trilogy. Now you recently finished the first one, right? The first yeah. episode of it, yeah. And, it's uh, well, what, yeah, what, do, what do you think? Uh, it is definitely a interesting experience. It it definitely ends on a high, and it kind of starts a little bit of a low. Mm -hmm. uh, and from what we have talked about a couple of times, the game get, definitely gets better as you play it. 
and the second iteration of the Banna Saga, as well as the third episode iteration, they get better and better with more polish, more refinement to the gameplay experience. So yep. I'm definitely looking forward to jumping into the second one at some point when I'm ready to start that. I'm definitely looking forward to because uh, ending things with just the first one were, didn't end things, as I said, on a low to the point where I felt uh, disappointed with the experience. The experience overall is great. And as long as they fix the things, the issues I had, like the clunky controls during right. combat uh, and things like that, if they fix those things, then it's going to I'm definitely going to be on board for the second one. And eventually, after I finish the second one, as long as things are going the way I hope they go, uh, I'll scoop up the third one as well. It's also very dire, uh, and it I like that. I like dire. the fact that uh, things just continue to get worse as you play the game. Yeah, I think you. I think you call this like the the modern Oregon Trail. Yeah, um, yeah and, and it very much feels that way. You know, you're you're on this giant just trek, and it's just it's very dire. It just like feels gloomy the entire time. Um, but the combat, it's it's a grid based strategy type RPG. It's very small scale. It's not it's not large scale at all. Like you're small you're not small and simple. Yeah, you're not commanding large armies or or, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it, no, it's, it's more like it's more like chess because mm -hmm. you're it's always you go with one of your your units and then the enemy goes with one of theirs always no yeah. matter what you go they go you go they go there are one small exception to that when there's one enemy left then you go into I forgot what they called it but pillage mode or something like that right uh, then there that's the exception but for the most part it's you go they go and it's on the grid as you said so uh, positioning is fairly important, but there isn't much to worry about in the way of terrain. There's right. almost nothing hazardous with the terrain. There might have been like one or two situations where there might have been something unique about it, but from what I remember, it's just a grid. There's no like terrain elevation mm -hmm. at all. There's no obstacles to sort of get around or, or traps or anything like that. Uh, and I might be missing one or two very small, rare instances where stuff like that happened. But right. For the most right. part, it's pretty straightforward. You, you move, and you attack stuff. That's it. Sometimes these, um, these fairly straightforward, simple games are the better ones, you know? Um, they're very refined. Um, I haven't played number 17, so I'll let you introduce it. So number 17, actually kind of similar to the Banna Saga regarding its combat system, but taking it to the degree of complexity that you would, uh, that you would want, uh, that, that you, know, you kind of feel after playing the Banna Saga is lacking, uh, is Thelseal Arbiter's Mark. And this is mm. essentially a Final Fantasy Tactics-based game. Right. It, it gives you that turn-based uh, grid based uh movement of of uh of your characters uh enemy characters they're taking their turns based on their initiative order there is terrain and objects within the terrain the environment is a consideration there's uh, terrain elevation is going to be a concern uh positioning of your character is going to be concerned the uh depending on your facing direction after you end your turn you can choose to face a certain direction if you get attacked uh, from the sides, that's going to be different from getting attacked from the front or attacking an enemy from behind. 
all of those things come into play. You have unique abilities that you can use. You can move and do some sort of action. Uh, so it's it's the indie take on on Final Fantasy, and it's done extremely well. These types of games are complex. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to them, uh, and it kind of has it kind of checks almost all the boxes combat wise in a very good way. Mm-hmm. Executes it very well. It's not the it's not the smoothest, biggest budget of executions, but it does it very concisely. You're not going to get the fanciest of animations whatsoever, but it works, and it works really well. And the story is in the in the world, the theme uh, that the game takes place in, and that the plot takes place in, is a unique tale that's being told. Right. So. Yeah, this is definitely something I've always had my eye on. And I just really now I feel like I'm missing out. I really wanna really wanna get this game. It's it's real good and it scratches that tactics, that tactical RPG itch. If you thought the combat system of Fire Emblem was too simplistic, uh, or or missing something extra, then Felseal Arbiter's Mark will definitely give it to you. Right. <sighs> Spending my money. Spending my money. All right, number fifteen. Final Fantasy X and X2. This is a bundle. Uh, I don't think you can get them separately, actually. Um, but Final Fantasy X is probably one of my more favorites. Um, I, I think Final Fantasy X and IX are probably... They're, they're, they're the ones. They're the ones. But Final Fantasy X, I had a really good time with. I love the story. I love the the uh, Blitzball. I'm just kidding. I don't like Blitzball. Yeah, I don't think anyone does. <laughs> there are people who play that just for Blitzball. Um, but you know, it is a, a straightforward Final Fantasy turn-based RPG. It it, it doesn't it doesn't uh, sway sway from that. It does have the um, oh, what are what are those things? Those gargantuan things um, that can turn into oh, jeez. Marbles, summons, no. summons. Yeah, it was big. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't think of it. Those giant giant summons. Those are always fun to watch and destroy everything. Um, I, I love the story in it. I really do. Uh, some of the voice acting is a little, a little questionable. Um, but apparently with X2, I have not played X2, but apparently some prefer that one over X. So. Well, X2 was fundamentally different in its combat because you, it had the job system in there. There you whereas go. Whereas okay. two, uh, the original X had what, that big giant grid thing that was yeah. unique to the character. Yep, yep. The, the it's kind of like a web type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the characters with uh, uh with Oron and um, who is the other one there? Not Waka, Waka, but Titus. Titus, not is it Titus? Jeez, no, I'm all. I think I'm it all... is Titus. The main character is Titus. Yeah, and but yeah, I I Waka Waka is the the blitzball player. Yeah, the blitzball player. Are you talking about the blue guy? The blue guy. Yeah, about? isn't there like a, a blue? He's kind of like a giant. He has like a tail or whatever. He's almost like a furry dude. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to look it up like now. Semi animal looking. He has a lance. <laughs> he's a oh he's like yeah, a yeah 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 oh shoot what is his name? Jump. I've got a, I don't know his name. I never played the game, but I've seen the game. Like my brother played, and I watched him play it a whole lot. Right, I'm just trying to remember his name, though. Yeah. But uh, it's... So, just those two games together. 
is if you're talking about biggest bang for your financial dollar buck, that is huge. Yeah. That is massive. You're getting a lot of game there with them two bundled together. Right. And, uh, I, so, and I don't even think it's full full priced either. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely so it, it. it's just from a value sense, it's a really good value. If you're valuing your time, well, Final Fantasy X is still a great game. Ten two, I can't really. It, it's definitely not as good as ten. So okay. I can say that. Yeah, the guy you're thinking of is Kimari Ronso. Kimari. I, I would have never have guessed it. I rem- I remember the character. I just would never have guessed. Right? Guessed Doesn't he? Look, he's blue, and he has like he looks like a cat dude. Yep. Yep. That's exactly yeah. what you said. It's just I would never have <laughs> guessed his name. I. Just, it's been that. It's been a while since I played it. All right, number 14, Thronebreaker. Now, you didn't put the, the full title in here. How am I supposed to? I didn't put the full title. Thronebreaker, <laughs> Thronebreaker The Witcher Tales um, is, <laughs> is number 14. Now, here's what I'll say about this. Witcher 3, one of the worst aspects of Witcher 3, or a lot of people say the worst one of the worst aspects is Gwent, okay? This, this Thronebreaker is essentially built around Gwent. But it's 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 not the same Gwent you're thinking of. It, they re- refined it, redid it. Um so it is a little bit different. Now if you're not into card playing games, this is not going to be for you. Um but it has the, you know, it has it is a card based game. Um but it also has a outside of that, the overworld is really interesting. It's got a lot of things you can find in the overworld. It, the the design in there the the way they've uh, fleshed out the world it's got a unique color palette I, I don't know it just really is I, I like the way it looks and it's got a really really good story I, the one thing Witcher does well is they tell good stories so um it, it's definitely if if you're into those card based games and I know not everyone is definitely you're gonna want to check out Thronebreaker uh The Witcher Tales. Next, number 13, Child of Light. Yeah. This is this is an oldie. This is definitely an oldie. I think it originally came out like in 2014. So it, it is it is a really it's an older game. Uh I'm talking obviously not on the on the Switch. I think it's older than that. Is it older than that? Ah, I think it came out on uh the 360 PS3 years. Oh, wow. So it might be like a 2011 game. Okay, well, fact fact check me. I'm on it. You're on it. All right, well, Child of Light, it is a, uh, again, it's one of those games, it's a it's a 2D uh, platformer. Nope, you're right. Thank 2014. you. It did hit, however, it did hit the PS3 and 360. Oh, so, so maybe the, the end, the end uh, generation. The very there. end, yeah. Okay. Um, at its core... It is a turn-based RPG with active time elements where you can kind of manipulate the turn, the turns there um, by slowing them down or hitting them at the right opportune time. There's like a little window in the active time uh, stamp there where if you hit them there, their turn goes back and they actually miss their turn. Uh, so there's some time uni- manipulation there, but the overworld is essentially a platformer where you can kind of fly around and and it looks really really cool. It, it's like a, a storybook, a watercolor storybook. I love the story in it. Um, the the uh, the soundtrack is is minimalistic, 
but it almost is minimalistic where it fits it fits the game like say for example in breath of the wild it's a very minimalistic soundtrack and it just it fits and it works in in that game and 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 this is one that i've and again like i said this came out in 2014 and I'm new to this, so I recently got it. I think it was on a, a really deep sale, and I, and I got it. I was like, wow, I can't believe I've been missing this for this long. And it's not a long game either. It's a relatively short, short experience, but it's a really, really kind of fun, fun game. Next, number 12, Atelier Riza, Ever Darkness and the Secret Hideout. That is it, it is. That it is. Have you played this? Have you played this one? I haven't. I've I've seen I've seen videos of it. Seen okay. Lots of reviews. Uh, it's definitely something I could get into if I had the time. Yeah. Uh, I would probably enjoy it pretty well. It's you're an alchemist, right? Yep. You're you're an alchemist now. The um, Altelier has been around for forever. Uh, this is a this is a long long running series. But they're all kind of well. At least this one is separate. That you don't have to know the entire history of Atelier to get it into this one. And yeah, you're essentially an alchemist and the story is basic is, is very basic. Like you just want to go on adventures. There's no dire situations in involved in the story. Um but yeah the the basis of the game or the the foundation of the game is out is alchemy and how many different recipes you can make. It's got a very very deep crafting system. But in terms of the battle it is, it is, again, another one of those active time battle situations, but it is a little more turn-based. It's kind of... I'm trying to explain it the, the best way I can. Um, I would say, yeah, it's, it is more active time battle. There is a lot of that, but there are different... Uh, there are different levels of... I forget what they're called. You can get up to three different tiers of actions. I'm, try, I'm trying to remember. I, did, I didn't get to play through through the entire game. I played through like maybe the first quarter of it. And um, yeah, the attack animations are, are really, really cool. It's got the anime-esque kind of style to it. And you got spells in there. You got a lot of different party members that you actually care about. And some of the, some of the party members are more fleshed out and more, um, <laughs> more of a part of the, the story than the main characters at some point in time. Uh, so it's got a really, really kind of, interesting interesting story there yeah and and for the record active time battle systems are very much turn-based battle systems yeah no it de it definitely is just so i think some people just don't i don't know it, it's kind of in that that gray area where i i don't think it is i think it is definitely still turn turn based it's just it's got a, a time association yeah all right number 11 Transistor. Have you played Transistor? I haven't, but I've wanted to. Once again, it's just one of those games that's it's elusive. Yes. I keep, I keep missing it. Keep missing it. I would definitely recommend playing it. It's yeah. the makers of uh, of Bastion, and they've also Pyre. done Pyre, which you, you like. I and... love Pyre. I don't <laughs> like it. I love Pyre. Pyre is amazing. Mm -hmm. You got and the they also made a a new game that's uh it's Hades. kind of in early access. What was that Hades? Hades, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I the name of the developer is kind of escaping me. Supergiant. Supergiant. There you go. 
Um, Transistor is a really, really cool story. It's very, it's 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 got the narrator. So if you're familiar with Supergiant games, you do have an overarching narrator, and it's basically the love story between a woman who is voiceless and the sword who is actually the narrator in this. And it's kind of got a cool, I guess you could call it cyberpunky aesthetic to it. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's like fantasy future. There you go. Okay, I'll I'll accept that. I'll accept that answer. Um, and and the way it works, is, and again, it's another one of those active time battle systems. Um, but the the skills can work in different ways. All right, so you can actually have your your primary skills can also be your your, your add on skills. So you can slot all these skills in different ways. So say for example, there's a move that will will do a flurry of attacks. That same move can also be an add-on or support to another attack and do something completely different. So there are a lot of different ways you can you can build your your character um, with the way you slot out your your skills. So it's got a, a lot of yeah, it's got a lot of different different stuff uh, going on with it. It can be kind of difficult. I I think when I when I beat the game, I really didn't get a feel for how to play it until the latter half of the game. I was pretty much almost done before I was really comfortable in playing it. And part of that might have been the way you get the skills and progress through that game. The better skills are really at the end, so you're really kind of struggling in the in the beginning. But the the story in it is the uh is is where this game sells. Just that narrator that kind of keep, you know, um gives you the pace of the story in little bits. Uh it's just it's really kind of really really cool. I think, I think you'd like it. So buy it. Oh, I I definitely would like it. <laughs> no question okay. about that. No question. Just it's just elusive. Yeah. So before we get into the top ten. Before we get into the top ten. I just want to sort of clarify a few things. Oh no. So just a reminder. If you, in case you skipped out on the action, the the top twenty action games. Oh yeah. Right. We are putting a bias on basing, ranking these games on their how well they execute on turn-based combat, mm -hmm. but we're not ignoring all the other aspects of the game. So we're not we're not ignoring the story and the the theme and the graphical fidelity, the audio, etc. We're not ignoring those elements, but. Uh, so, so we are judging these games on the overall experience, but also how well they execute on the turn-basedness of the game itself as well. Turn-basedness. Yes. <laughs> kind of like a uh, Thanksgiving Day turkey. Nice. Wait, really? Yeah, you <laughs> base you ba your turkey. You oh, I think we're, I think we're take talking two different things here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> All right. Why don't you Why don't you give them number ten? All right, number ten of our top turn-based RPGs on the Switch is Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire is good. Slay the Spire is great. It is addictive. It is not going to give you uh, a big in-depth story romp or anything like that, but it is like, it, it is the roguelike turn-based uh, card combat piecing together a deck uh, kind of game, and you will fail. You will succeed, <laughs> and then you will want to continue to succeed and reach harder and harder 
better and better cards, loot, gear, etc. You want to talk about elusive. This is one of those elusive games that I still have yet to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hear so many glowing things about it. And it, interest, it interests me. It's just, there's just, my backlog is just, my God, it's like piled so high. It, it's the, uh, it's the, fe- the very tight feedback loop of wanting to do another run. And, and you combine that with the sort of almost nail-biting kind of at, at, the, at the edge of your seat mm-hmm. uh, sort of randomness. It, it's randomness, but it, it's edge of your seat kind of excitement because you're hoping that something goes your way. And when it goes your way, it goes your way in a very, very good way. And mm-hmm. when it doesn't go your way, it doesn't go your way in a very, very bad way. Uh, but in overall, exciting because not much is at stake other than your current run. Okay. So you'll so just you could... do another run if things go so bad that you fail, right? So you just continue to build that deck, though, right? Well, uh, you'll be building decks with the runs. <laughs> and you'll continuously do it for forever. <laughs> It, it's that feedback loop. It's real yeah. good. It's it's a roguelike, so you know that that's what they're built on. They're built on just doing the same romp over and over and over again for the chase of better loot, better cards, right? Getting a little further and further and further yeah, through. In the harder difficulties, just really refining your engine, your engine building. Right. In this game, deck building. Hmm. I gotta do it. I gotta get that one. It's one of those elusives. All right. We had number nine. We had a little bit of discussion here with yep. this one. Um, and Nintendo was the arbiter of this little uh, mini argument that we got into. And they, <laughs> they, were des- they were the decider. They came in and they decided right then and there, boom, this game will be number nine. Number nine is Into the Breach. Yes. Now, and according the- to Nintendo's eShop. Uh-huh. This is an RPG. It so has here, role-playing listed right on there. There we go. So Into the Breach. Now, I didn't... I didn't... I think I had this a little lower on my list than you did, maybe? Uh, you had it a lot lower. A, a lot <laughs> lower. A lot lower. Yeah. So I, I didn't enjoy my time with Into the Breach. I, I really I didn't. I absolutely love this game. Now, why did you like it so much? It's very... The grid... It is a uh, strategy... I, or tactical maybe RPG, the the play the play area is tiny. Yeah. It is so yeah. so small. In a very good way though. It's yeah. the combat is so definitely turn based. Takes place on a grid and it gives you a scenario within within each uh, mission. And these missions are it's like their own mini little combat uh, round by round scenario, and you only have like. I doubt they go further than five rounds or six rounds. It's yeah, a very shorter. limited number of rounds that you have to best handle that scenario that they give you and that invasion of the bugs. And you can get through it in less than optimal ways. Right. And the goal is to get through it in the most uh, optimal way that you can but but it's always going to be a situation where things are going to, things are already bad and you're preventing it from getting worse. Mm-hmm. And that's what, how the game plays out on on each mission. 
Uh, and that's, that's the individual mission. And then there is this map of, of a continent, a region within the world. And you can have different, you can take on different missions depending on what they're going to offer as rewards. So you have choices as you're going through. And those choices will have consequences because uh, a prior mission or access to later areas within the same continent will be gated based on your limited number of choices within a continent so or an island they might be called islands uh and you only have you only have can only do a certain number of missions within an island before you have to jump off to the next island for reasons within the game story yeah what i really did actually like about the game was that uh it gives you the enemy's movements prior to you even taking your turn so you already know what the enemy is going to do and you have to base your actions kind of around that and almost be a step even ahead of that so there is there is kind of some some there's a really deep thought process behind it yeah. i just i just i don't know i for me it's just i got a little a little bored of it i i don't i don't know it just didn't feel like i don't i don't know there was something with it, it just didn't get me it just didn't get me it it is a puzzle game it, it's it's very much a puzzle solving combat uh game in a very good satisfying different way that, that's the big thing it's it's distinctly different from a whole lot of other games and it's so i love how they present these uh puzzles to you, these tactical uh combat puzzles to you in this little tiny little uh i don't know eight by eight grid it, mm. it's like miniature and it's just great. It gives you every all access to all the information you need right then and there. You can see the enemy movements, as you said, uh, and you got to figure it out. And mm. you can. Uh, there's some degree of, of chanciness in there uh, in some points, but for the most part, yeah, it's it's solvable to a certain degree, and it's you have to solve it in different ways based on your run. So this is also a roguelike style game. Where you're gonna die a whole lot, and you're not gonna be able to beat the game, uh, and but that's fine. You restart, and you can change your spec as you're going through, right? So uh, you can choose which uh, mechs you're going to use as your deployment. Uh, you can, I think, change out your. The mechs have like factions, um, not factions, but uh, they, they have maybe it's factions. They they have like a special typing system to them too. So there's like. There's like ice mechs and fire mechs and whatnot, uh, and there's different roles within them. Like there's artillery ones, yeah, uh, ones that are really good at meleeing stuff. Uh, in addition to that, as you're going through the missions and the missions that you're getting is randomized, and the drops and loot that you're getting is randomized, mm -hmm. and then you have pilots that can pilot these mechs, and they can uh, be spec'd out and leveled up independent of your mech itself, because you can upgrade your mech, but then your pilots can level up, and you have to manage that, and that's going to cause every run through the game to be vastly different from one another, including right. the puzzles that you're coming across are going to be vastly different from one another uh, just from the nature of, of, the, of the randomness that they insert on the setup. It's more, it's more randomness on the scenario that they give you than it is randomness on how things play out. How things mm. play out, I from what I remember, is actually uh, deterministic. Yeah, yeah. This is well, number two on my on my list, by the way. I, I, I love the game so much. It's it's actually my number two. Was this your number two? Yeah. Wow. Where... <laughs> so that means I had it. Oh, wow. Where 
I had it number 26. Yeah. <laughs> I had it pretty dang low. <laughs> and that's why I don't I don't I really have too much to say uh, about it. I did you know, I gave it a shot. I did play it and there are some cool aspects to it. It's just it just didn't sit well with me. Not not at all. Uh speaking of old games, this is an old game on but new on the Switch. South Park. I'm sorry, number 8, South Park Stick of Truth. Now, this is a, it is a straightforward turn-based RPG. There's there's no there's no doubts about that. But where this one gets set apart is the it's entertaining. This game is entertaining from beginning to end. Now, if you're a South Park fan, this sits right at home with you. Um I mean, if you really dislike South Park because it's corny, cheesy, all that stuff, this may not work work for you, but I I think when I played this game, it was it was hilarious. <laughs> and oh, yeah. entertaining from beginning to end the characters and ridiculous. and ridiculous yeah so basically stick of truth is think of lord of the rings you know it was set in that medieval time they had they had spells um i i don't remember off the top of my head what some of these spells were uh but they were like they're kids playing you know what i mean so these spells oh, are, yeah, are ridiculous the, uh, the spell casting had to do something to do with like fart yeah, far, you know, it, yes, it's got all those, you know, childish humor things, so it's got a lot of farts and burps and all, all sorts of, of stuff. But it is set in the South Park world, so some of it, I can see how some people could be sensitive to it. Uh, but, but man, they're playing with, like, wooden swords and stuff. It's just, it is just so, it is so funny. It is a very yeah, it, funny game. It It is a medieval theme, but that is... Only a small aspect of the theme. The theme is actually a bunch of little kids, elementary school kids, that are pretending to play a, in a fantasy, medieval fantasy world going on this epic quest. Right. So they're playing pretend. <laughs> Basically. Um, <laughs> but obviously they're foul-mouthed. They're, they're all that stuff. So Very vulgar, yeah. <laughs> and there's very vile things that happen over and over and over again uh it's it's definitely not for kids no no not at all not at all but it is it is actually a one of those sneaky really good rpgs it is a really really good one number seven now number seven has been the bane of johnny's <laughs> existence here number uh. seven number seven has moved up and down um, I don't know. We've been wanting to record this for a while, and it has moved up and down, like I don't know, six, seven times. <laughs> a lot, yeah, a lot. And it's I think it's, I think it's because you're you're just you were just kind of maybe playing through it, and um, your opinions kind of just wavered there. Yeah. Uh, number number seven, Octopath Traveler, is number seven. I think this might. Well, I would say initially it was higher up on your list. And then may maybe it moved. Um but the the turn based in this is um it's a break I call it the it's a break system. So basically you have to time your hits perfectly to initiate a break sequence. And then when you initiate that break sequence, then your enemy is vulnerable. Um and you can kinda go go at it that way. Um now with with me here Here's my thing with Octopath, okay? With Octopath, visually, stunning. Oh, yeah. Musically, again, stunning. Excellent. Everything else after that, in my opinion, 
is mediocre. Okay. Yep. That is just the way Octopath sits with me. Uh, the the turn-based mechanics, they're okay. They're 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 admissible, you know, they you can get away with that. Where this game obviously stands out, it stands out with what I just said. Um, what I really, really, really dislike about this is the eight different paths. And I understand that's the way they built the game. And it's kind of reminiscent, I think, of Romancing Saga, some of the Romancing Saga series. But, I, and, and again, in my opinion, that's a big miss in this game. The eight different story paths. How can you have eight different characters fighting alongside each other and not even recognizing that they're there. And when they and when they do recognize that they're there in these like kind of little small moments, it's it's meaningless. It really is. Yeah, Essentially it is Yeah, it's just eight different stories. And if you're gonna play it that way and go into it with that mindset, you'll probably be okay. So unlike you, I did enjoy telling eight separate tales. I do enjoy what they were going for there. However, the execution of it is either hit or miss. Yeah. Some of the individual stories are well-written and, uh, and are, are mature enough or, or are expressed in a very mature way where it, clearly they put some thought into the dialogue and the scenes that are playing out and given some degree of intrigue into what's, what's next to come. But other characters almost feel like the story was phoned in right. and because it was so predictable both what was about to happen and what how your character was going to – how that particular character, protagonist, was going to react to whatever was happening. So it was – and it was almost – it's pretty much a 50-50 split. And even the best of the individual stories doesn't come close to – bringing up or raising or making or being worthwhile of a storyline to experience on its own. Like it doesn't even come close to that. Mm -hmm. So there are some good individual stories, but as a whole, it really falls apart. And that's, that's unfortunate because a lot of the stories that you play through eventually, you know, just going through one or two that are mediocre and feel like they are just uh, filling in the blank for, for what's needed next. Uh, it just seems like they're trying to, they're trying to have eight storylines, but they never actually spent the time to fully think out these eight individual storylines. It was just they had an initial goal of doing eight, and then they realized, oh no, we have to actually have eight different storylines. Uh, <laughs> and then they're like, well, uh, these three are really good. And then they kind of like, well, what do we do for this one? I don't know. I don't know, Alfin, you figure it out. Yeah, we have this alchemist. What do we have to do for that? Uh, uh, he's a good guy. He's nice. He's a nice person. That's he's a basic, nice guy. That's basically yeah. Alfin's story. He's just a nice guy. He's the token nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, in, in terms of turn, in turn-based, uh, the actual combat, what are, what are your thoughts there? I mean, are you, are you okay with that sort of system? Kind of like your time, yeah. your hits with the break system, and then... You're not really timing it. It's your build, your... Busting through, it's almost like busting through a set of armor. There is a defense that the enemy has, mm -hmm. and then once you land a weakness, a, or a set of, you have a list of weaknesses that you can land, but you have to figure out what those weaknesses are. So there's some puzzle-solving elements to it, which is interesting. 
but it it is it can be a little shallow uh, because at some point you know through the hour ten tens and tens of hours uh, and potentially hundred plus hours you're gonna spend playing through this game it will get dull because there's I don't know, I think it's like six different weapon types that can be their own individual exposures and then another six when it comes to magics. Light, mm-hmm. dark, fire, thunder, right. ice, wind. So you got like 12 different possibilities and an enemy has three question marks. So you just got to figure out which of those three of those 12 are going to work. And then you have to hit the enemy some number of times, three times, four times, eight times, with their weakness until they break. And once they finally break, they now take a, an exponential amount more damage per attack, and that's when you really unleash on the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a different take on on the standard uh, stuff that we're we're used to. You know, you have they have HP, but you go, you have to break through. Like you would say, they have this ar- the resistance, this armor or the break number that you have to get through in order to start um, in order to start really whittling away at their health. Yeah. And, and when you break them, they do lose an entire turn, potentially mm-hmm. two turns, depending on when you break them into turn order. You can kind of break them for a full two turns. Uh, and, and, and that's all part of your, like your pulse, puzzle solving as well. You yeah, can kind of yeah. time it where you can get that two rounds. You can kind of play it, play it that way as well. Yeah, but it's, when it comes to just uh, turn-based mechanics, it, it is a little, it's definitely safe. And that's the part that holds back the combat system, the turn-based combat system, uh, and makes it, uh, kind of holds it back from shining more, is that it, it is something that you've experienced before with some unique aspects layered on top, right? You have your attack option, you have your magic option, or whatever unique ability a character has, and then you have your items option, and then you have your defend. It's, it, there's nothing new in that. No. Uh, no. Other than the the uh, what were those? Um, well, there's kind of like aren't aren't there like uh, job skills kind of like depending on what uh, what character they are. Like I'm just right, remembering. Have, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. But, um, I'm talking about the orbs that you spend. I forgot what those were called. Oh man. I, I'm in not... order to get multiple attacks or enhance a single attack. I don't know. It's not brave. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's yeah. a different different game. I'm trying to uh, remember what it was. But yeah, anyway. I, I don't yeah. recall. But yeah, I, I mean, even just, I'm kind of watching it also on the side here. Like, when the attacks hit, when the spells hit, it looks awesome. It really does look cool. It just, I don't know. I, I think the, it didn't, it didn't balance storytelling and gameplay for me well enough for me to like it. Yeah, and it's at number seven, and it's this is it's basically the best the best sort of execution of a traditional RPG on this list without having the massive juggernaut budget. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that is Octopath Traveler. Uh, speaking of traditional RPGs, number six, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Number six. Now, this is tried and true, right? They've been doing this for who? who, What is it? Like thirty years now? They've been doing this Uh, for a while. No, no, Uh, since ninety six ish, ninety seven. Okay, so Uh, over twenty years. (laughs) Almost, almost thirty years. 
pretty dang close. Thirty. It's under twenty-five. It's no. It's almost. That's not even close to thirty. Almost fifty years. Pokemon oh, okay. has been yep. doing this. <laughs> but I, I mean, it, it, it's um. There have there hasn't been much change since it's I guess maybe Pokemon what is it red, um there hasn't been much change so you you do still have what what I like it is a standard you know turn based one v well I guess you could call it one v one right uh yeah just like just like other Pokemon games it's your Pokemon versus another Pokemon there is maybe some slight caveats to that when you're doing team-based battles where you can have two Pokemon out. I'm not sure if Sword and Shield has that. Uh, I know there are moments where you can do four on one. That's mm-hmm. during the, I don't know, Dynamax? Gigamax? Gigantamax? Gigantamax. Super one of those max battles, the raid battles. <laughs> right. You can, and you can do it with multiplayer too. So co-op okay. that. Uh, those big giant fights, and that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what Pokemon has always done well is they've, they've, they've. Re- this is like a fine wine. It's a very refined combat system, and, and you have you have different aspects. You have a lot of uh, a lot of weaknesses and strengths that are just balanced so so well. You know, uh, and it's yeah, it's this is all Game Freak knows how to do basically. They did Little Town Hero, but we don't really, we don't talk they've, about that. They've done other stuff. They've done that elephant game. Right, exactly. It's called that elephant game. When it's <laughs> when it stands out, it's called that elephant game. Didn't they also do a, a horse racing game or something like that? All right, so Pokemon is basically the only thing Game Freak has done. And uh, yeah, I mean, it is a collect like, monster collecting game. It is, it is very much like a monster collecting game. Um, I The last time I played a Pokemon game was... X and Y. I never jumped into Sword and Shield or I think it's Sun and Moon even before that. So it has been a while since I've dove into Pokemon, but I will tell you it's probably the same. And I think you could safely say that for most of them. It's probably the same. Yeah, it's it's not changing the combat formula that much. It added in, you know, the, the Gigamax, Dynamax, Gigantamax, whatever it's called. Uh, there's two different versions of it. But uh, it did add that. Uh, obviously, you get a new roster of Pokemon with these. It's, um, but for the most part, as you said, it's the same stuff. However, there is something fundamentally unique about this. It's the first romp on console, like major RPG Pokemon experience on console, just just full the full experience, and in full 3D, HD, 3D, all that good stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. You got to praise it for those elements, and they did do uh, better open world exploration. I was going to say the uh, wi- the wild area. Yep. Yeah, the wild the wild area uh, offering more immersion to what is typically kind of somewhat claustrophobic experiences uh, mm-hmm. with the Pokemon games. They were they were very linear. Uh, the pathing that you'd go, it was almost like a single screen, kind of like Zelda, but right but way more linear. You're gated and, and sort of you have to follow a certain path in order to get to the next area. The caves got a little different, but not much. Whereas, you know, this one definitely changed up the formula. Instead of going into random battles, they got rid of the random battle stuff. You can now run into the actual Pokemon and see what you're running into. So 
there are a lot of things to praise about this. They did take some leaps while keeping many other things very traditional. So it's a very, and you got to understand, this is a monumental undertaking to bring a Pokemon game into HD3D. There's a lot of graphics, a lot of models, a lot of characters to <clears throat> animate, to, to, to create, and to upgrade. And it's, it's a big effort. And I can understand them being cautious when they, they did this. They definitely played it safe in, in some aspects of, of that. They basically almost combined with, they almost combined with uh, what Let's Go uh, Pikachu and Eevee and the traditional Pokemon games, they kind of merge those two, and, and this is kind of what we have, what we have here. No, it's it's definitely more, way more traditional. It definitely doesn't go into the simplification that Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. No, I I mean uh, only certain aspects. What I mean is that wild area. Um, you kind of see that in in Let's Go as well, where they have that wild area. You run into the Pokemon, that sort of stuff. Well, run into the Pokemon, but Let's Go was still the battle uh, system. Yeah, it's very different. Well, I'm I'm saying the exploration part was still very much limited. It, it okay. Well, you were exploring the same way as you would have in um in the original Red and Blue or right. Yellow. Okay. All right. I, I Just, thought you. you know, it I, was in 3D, so obviously the perspective yeah, yeah. was a little bit different. The thing it did do was, yeah, you could see the Pokemon before you actually try to catch them. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't as big, open world, immersive. No, not at all. Right. I yeah. mean, the for in terms of story, it's uh, I would have to assume um, it's basically the same. He just wants to be the very best. Is that what it is? Oh, there, there's multiple. That, that is sort of the drive of the protagonist, but there is a story plot that goes on of some villain, right? There's always going to be a villain uh-huh. of sorts. But don't, you know, keep in mind, Pokemon as a franchise is not meant for us adults, right. You're right. adult people. I, we I can think, appreciate it, I think but we lose, it's not truly targeted towards us. Right, and I think we lose sight of that. And I don't that, lose sight. I lose. I think I lose sight of that. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. I mean, pe- people. I mean, I've played them, right? I, I, but I didn't really grow up with them. And the people who grow up with them, Pokemon is just still in that same place. You know, they're still for the kids. They're not meant for the people that grew up. But there's but, always going to be new kids that have sure. never played a Pokemon game before, or have never played an RPG before. Right. And that's what Pokemon's. That is who Pokemon is for. Pokemon is one of the best recommendations you can give to a younger gamer that right. wants to play an RPG. Right. It's or kinda... collect monsters, right? Mm-hmm. It's yep. one of the, the definitive experiences. I agree. Which is why it's at number six. Number six, and it's not that one that one moved around a little bit too, because of uh, Octopath Traveler. Yeah. <laughs> uh number five, why don't you why don't you you do it? Oh, sure. So, breaking the top five at number five is Darkest Dungeon. Dun, dun, dungeon. Uh, and whatever whatever the full package edition is called. What was it, like Eldritch Horrors or whatever? I, I, I forgot what the full collection is I, called. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even Just, know. The DLC stuff is great, other than the blood stuff. 
I forgot what that blood one was. The blood curse or the blood craze. Yeah, I never I never played the, the DLC, so I wouldn't even I wouldn't know. But so Darkest Dungeon, you wanna talk about really good use of of edge of your seat, turn based, you know, randomness, things can go either really well or really bad for you. This is dungeon darkest dungeon. It, that is the experience you're going for. You have the dungeon delving aspect, which is how long it's sort of a press your luck kind of system where how long can you go through this how long can you survive going through this dungeon in order to get uh the final reward mm -hmm. you get to keep the loot that you have acquired until that point so at any point you can actually you know leave the dungeon and check it out and you'll maintain the loot that you've collected but there is going to be some end rewards if you can if you satisfy whatever condition it is to go through that particular dungeon, you'll get, uh, usually it's uh, some sort of amulet, charm? Or they're called yeah, accessory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, so you're, you're kind of wanting to, to complete whatever that job is. And even after you complete it, the, the main part of the quest for going through that dungeon experience, there could be more of the dungeon that you want to explore, and you can kind of continue to press your luck and go through it. And the reason why it's press your luck is you have a limited number of resources that are going to help with your survival. Uh, part of that is a torch, the lighting system. The light. Where right. the lighter it is, the more, the more light is available to you, the brighter your torch, the safer it's going to be, and the easier time you're going to have uh, taking down enemies. However, you're not going to get as much loot. Whereas if you... Uh, the darker your torch, the darker your light source gets. Well, the enemies get tougher because they're going to crit more often. But your drops, your loot is going to increase uh, and get better and better the darker and darker it gets. So once again, it's more of that press your luck. How, how risky do you want to be in order to get a bigger, re a bigger return on that investment? Mm-hmm. And it's a very challenging game. They balanced it to a way of being maybe a little bit too challenging. Uh, certainly Endgame. <laughs> a bit grindy and, and extremely challenging when it gets to the Endgame. And they, they eventually added in different uh, difficulty settings that you can do. There is permadeath in the game. But you do have opportunities of saving your character. And then, if all that wasn't enough, you throw on the unique quirk system of yep. every individual character developing they develop these quirks that can cause them to react very differently from uh uh given certain situations but there's also this madness system and the madness system is well it, it quite frankly hasn't been done in many other games. In any, yeah. Kind of count the number of games in, in like one hand that has done like this sort of madness system. Because everything you're encountering throughout the, the dungeon, and as you delve deeper into these dungeons, you're just going to develop more and more madness. Mm -hmm. uh, and eventually, you are, sorry, not madness, uh, sanity? Sanity. And if your sanity builds up too high, uh, if you go too insane, you develop a madness. And there's a very slight chance that you can develop a virtue, but very slight. Once again, it's, it's like risk, hmm. reward type thing. Do you want to not cure, not to heal your... Sorry, it's stress. Wow. Uh, I apologize. 
It is not madness. It is called stress. It is not uh, insanity. It is called stress. <laughs> so if you get too stressed out, <laughs> you will develop a madness. And the madness will be a permanent thing throughout the remainder of that dungeon. And when you develop a madness, that is far worse than getting poisoned, bleeding, taking a substantial uh, blow of damage. It is far worse than that because unlike taking damage, which you can heal your characters to full again, once you, once you develop a madness through a dungeon run, that's it. Your character is going to remain mad for the remainder of that dungeon run. And they can do stuff. They can do simple things like skip their turn, where they refuse to take their turn. They could, instead of attacking the enemy during their turn, they'll attack their allies during their turn, or they'll shout at them and, de and degrade them, causing them to build up stress. It's mm -hmm. just a bad time. And that's when you hit 100 stress. And then your stress can build up even further right. to the point where you go up to 200 stress. And once that happens... Your character can just die from too much stress, and they that's have a what, hard that, That's when you stop using that character, and you just kind of <laughs> either just let him sit there or just yeah. kind of kill him on his own. But just let's just get down to the basics, right? So this is a, a it's set in a gothic gothic time, right? It's a kind of the, I guess it's a dungeon run, but it's done via side-scrolling. Your positioning also matters in terms of, so it's four, four you have four characters, and I think typically the other the other the enemies have four as well, or they can be up to four. Up to four, the that's right. Can have different sizes. Yeah, where it could take up more or less space. Yeah. Slots. So so basically, yeah. So it's four vivor or four spaces and four spaces, and certain attacks or certain enemies or certain characters will do better against the other characters' placements. Uh, so there's there's a lot of that. There are so many different classes that you can recruit. Yeah. A lot. Um, yeah, so basically, like I said, it's uh, four plays versus four plays, and you're done. You're going side scrolling into different rooms. So once once you get into the dungeon, outside of that, you have the overworld, and the overworld is essentially like you're uh, almost like I would say like it's city building, uh, almost like it, it's your it's your base of operations. Yeah, it, so, it, it is a go. town that is. Mm -hmm. uh, Outside of the manor, the manor itself, that's part of your, this is explained in, in the opening uh, video, uh, yeah. the, opening, the opening to the game itself. Uh, the manor is sort of, it's your family's heritage, and that's what you're trying to get back from the darkness. You're trying to, to, to quash the darkness so that you can take back your estate. Mm -hmm. uh, and there is a town next to your estate um, because you're apparently you're very rich, or used to be, your family used to be extremely rich, where you had an entire estate and surrounding grounds and a town that was also once thriving but no more. Either way, you can build up that town uh, to to develop even further and further to get new services, better uh, upgrading the blacksmith as one example, upgrading uh, the medical ward. Uh, as another place, you can upgrade these different facilities that can better service your adventurers as you take them out dungeon delving, quashing whatever uh, abomination rests within these uh, five or six different uh, locations, mm -hmm. uh, themed locations to that to dungeon delve through. Yeah, the um, I love the narrator. 
the narrator in in darkest dungeons got he he was casted perfectly i think he's in a few other things off the top of my head i i don't know but the narrator basically kind of it just yeah he's a narrator but he's 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 really really good um professional chain smoker that person (laughs) maybe maybe this (laughs) is like all the right ways (laughs) maybe maybe just a lot of special effects on yeah no either way he's he's awesome um i love the art design in this game the art design is 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 really really cool it's got the heavy cell shaded look and and just the gothic tone in general the kind of the dirty grungy gothic style is awesome and and dark and it is a uh, very, very thick uh, black line work, yep. uh, reminiscent of comics. So it has a very comic booky style presentation, but darker side of comics. Very dark, like yep. a darkest, darkest dungeon. dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think we've raved about this many yeah. times on the podcast. This is definitely one to look. And they just recently came out with a, an update for uh, PvP. I still don't know how it works. I don't understand it yet, <laughs> still. Um, but that's that's also an update as well. I should try that at some point. You should, and let me know. Yeah. Number four. Final Fantasy twelve Zodiac Age. Another one of those active time battles. This is where Final Fantasy really got off the rails, right? This is really where they... I mean, I, I'm not counting Eleven, right? Eleven was a uh, was an MMO. Um, but Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, is just a, just a change for them. They, they went to an active time battle, and the Zodiac Age expansion is where it really got good, because I remember playing this initially when I got it for PlayStation 2. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I went back to it recently when it came out for the Switch. I really liked it. Um, and it's, 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 it's basically what you know of Final Fantasy. I'm gonna stretch here. Basically, what you know of Final Fantasy 15 stems from Final Fantasy 12. Yep. I don't. So you you agree with that? I you can so definitely it, see it, but there there was a whole slew of games that released since 12. So 15 kind of built up on not just what 12 did, but a bunch of other games like Xenoblade oh, and yeah, other. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, a lot of Xenoblade has a lot to, uh, you know, it has a, has to tip the hat very certainly to Final Fantasy 12 and what 12 did. 12 was, but 12 also combat wise tips the hat to what came before it, which was Vagrant Story. Okay. Oh, wrong. And you just played through that, didn't you? I did. Yeah. So the person, so a, a unique thing about Final Fantasy 12 is that it was, made by um or or strongly there was a bunch of different individuals involved with it but one key individual involved with it was matsumi uh, or yasumi matsuno which did final fantasy tactics tactics ogre before that and vagrant story Mm -hmm. and immediately after vagrant story he started work on final fantasy 12. he actually designed some degree of the combat system for 12 because it was they incorporated the things that they wanted to get done in Vagrant Story's combat system, but because of scope, turn, uh, the scope was too big and they had to cut a whole lot of stuff, they had to trim stuff from Vagrant Story, and all those ideas that they had, uh, they essentially brought over to Final Fantasy XII. Mm-hmm. And being part of the Final Fantasy name, 
that was obviously going to be a much bigger budget uh, endeavor, a larger project overall, and they were willing to do these things. I'm not saying that this uh, that Yatsumi Matsuno did uh, uh, the entirety of the combat system. Obviously, that's not the case. One thing he did do, though, was the storyline. Uh-huh. That was he was he's definitely credited uh, that you can see on the credits and whatnot for being responsible for the storyline. And story-wise, there's a very clear difference between the story of Final Fantasy XII and the story of other mainline Final Fantasy games. They are fundamentally different. The way that they are told is fundamentally different. Uh, My brother very recently beat the Zodiac Age on Switch, uh, and the the way he phrased it is that unlike with other Final Fantasy games, it doesn't get crazy with the story at the end where stuff just typically stuff like just doesn't make sense anymore like world ending type of stuff like weird stuff like almost out of nowhere like characters that show up and they you never like who's this person they then they're now transformed into this thing that was possessing them this whole time like weird (laughs) quirky stuff that kind of happens a whole lot in in jrpgs right uh final fantasy 12 wasn't that it made sense the story was followable and made sense. It was dense and there was a lot to it, but it made sense from beginning to end. Yeah. I I would have to I would have to agree with that. Yeah. Um but you know, this is where like I had mentioned, this is where Final Fantasy took a turn for what it is currently, I guess you could say, along with its other other influences where it has that 3D space. So in terms of combat if you're not familiar with it, in, in, instead of, um, you know, getting to a combat screen, you're essentially in, in, in an arena, um, kind of. It's kind of a free-flowing arena, because you can just get out of it any, any old time and run away. Um, but, yeah. but um, yeah, so all your, all your attacks and everything, all your, your turn is, is on a cooldown. And, and I really like some of the... The, the casting, the the uh, not just regular attacks, but a lot of the spells look really, really awesome. And especially for its age, I think it, it's... I don't know why... I don't know why I hated it when it initially came out. Maybe because I was expecting, you know, your traditional final... I went from Final Fantasy X to twelve, and they were just so drastically different. Maybe that's yeah. where I fell off the... off that train, but... um, And I, it also had... Uh, the gambit system, which is a big, you know, if if you're not if you're not familiar with you know scripting uh, AI, right? Uh, if it can be weird and obtuse and confusing to people to figure that out, right? But it's so important. Like, oh yeah. Like now, I'm totally on top of it. Maybe I just wasn't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what younger Geo was all about. But I know for now, like that is so. Like getting into that fine detail in the gambit system is. Is almost yeah. relaxing to me. I would, I would love, I'd love to get into that stuff. And and it's not necessary because you can always just pause the combat, switch characters, queue up the next attack, uh, whenever spell, whatever it is that you, ability, whatever it is that you need to do, mm-hmm. switch to another character, queue up. Right, you can chain these things together. Now the game is running in real time, but the characters are taking their their abilities that they're doing, their attacks that they're doing, happens in a turn-based sequence. So this one probably straddles the line between real-time and turn-based the most. 
out of all the games in this list. Mm-hmm. I I would agree, and I and I wholeheartedly recommend the recommend this game. Yeah, it it is a fantastic game, and it because of what it did during combat and all the games that that borrowed from what Final Fantasy XII did because of its combat system. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot to owe to this, and the combat system is still great. And the Zodiac Age overall for the Switch, just with all the quality uh, quality of life improvements that they made to the game. The fact that you can uh, speed up, I think you can like do double speed or four times speed. Yeah, yep. Helps with the very large, grindy kind of areas. Yeah, there was a lot of um, kind of what like uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. There was a lot of space in between things you had to do. Uh, yeah. So having that run um, when fast travel wasn't available, or if fast travel wasn't available, having that run really does does help. Yeah, because some of the zones were were quite big and there there were multi uh, you called it arenas they arenas is a weird term but it was like it was like mini zones within a larger region regional yeah. zone a, uh, a dungeon if you will and it's almost like rooms but they were bigger than rooms right so they were like they were small zones and yeah. and there was a, a load time in between the load was kind of quick but it was you kind of run to the edge whatever the the doorway is or yeah. the end of the path, and that mm-hmm. teleports you to the next section of the region that you're in. And it was, you know, quirky, and it was kind of, it's kind of like Monster Hunter. How Monster Hunter, yeah, you go from one section of the map to the other, and there's a load time in between each. Yeah, don't don't compare this game to Monster Hunter. Um, <laughs> please don't do that. Uh, number three, number three. Now this is the top three. This is like. Like, I don't know if any of these were fighting for top three, but these are all, like, these are really, really good games. <laughs> they, they are big budget stuff. They are quality now. And all three of these, um, or at least one of this one, the number three itself, definitely caters towards uh, a younger audience, right? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. Can everyone, though. Absolutely can, can apply to everyone. Of course, of course. All right, let's just say number three. Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition. That is a mouthful. Uh, but Dragon yeah. Quest Dragon Quest Eleven is it is definitely the definitive edition. It has um, it is uh, what are what are its enhancements? Um, its enhancements. The, audio, the music. The it's got orchestrated, fully orchestrated music. It's uh, got the uh, sprite uh, mode that you can do. The, the you can play this game and. Two different ways. You can play this game in 3D mode, or you can play it in traditional Dragon Quest fashional, very traditional in 2D mode. And it's like it's like done really weird, really well. I've seen people do runs in in this, but it is it, this one has the, the arena combat though, right? The well, it's still turn based. It you can move around in the the arena combat. Uh, Except it doesn't matter. Your positioning doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Your movement doesn't matter. It's just a ma- all. All that matters is the camera angle and what you're looking at. You know how that you attack enemies and and how you can target multiple enemies is the same as it was in the original Dragon <laughs> Dragon Quest games. That that aspect that your positioning doesn't matter really confused me um, when I initially played it. Because going from, uh, 
I know they're different games, but Tales of Vesperia, right? So you're you're set up in this, I'll call it yeah. this arena, where positioning really matters. Well, Tales of Vesperia is a yeah, Tales of we're going it's it looks like a no, tale. I, and I don't Vesperia. mean that. Like I'm talking about when you enter combat, right? So they look yeah. very yeah. similar, but they are absolutely very different. Um so you're like you said, your positioning doesn't matter. And I'm like I'm like as I'm playing, I'm like, all right, where do I need to be? Like, why, why am I locked in this area? And I, I don't know where to be. And that was so frustrating for a long time until I finally got the nerve to ask, all right, am I doing something wrong here? Does it matter where I am? And it, and it totally doesn't, it really doesn't even matter. Uh, it's just, they, they put you in that space, that 3d movement. I don't know why <laughs> they do. Um, it's for the camera. That That's all it is. Okay. The um, better angle, some some of the stuff that happens during combat is hilarious. The the <laughs> coming down with the dancing fever or whatever it's called, and then seeing your character dance uncontrollably. That's just awesome. <laughs> uh, but it is an absolutely massive, massive game. And, oh yeah, and the um, the it's it's kind of is. Do you think it is just long for the sake of length, or 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 is it like is it worthy of being that long? So the first, the first half of the game, and I don't even want to say half, the first like third of the game, because the game is very long. Uh, the first probably about 40 hours of the game is kind of bad. It's rough. <laughs> Wait, you said 40, right? 40, yeah, 40, how, right, how right around there. 30 it's, to 40. It, because it doesn't really give you an interesting story. The story's pretty basic as to what you need to do. And then finally, when you get to the point of, of doing all the tasks they've given you, and you're ready to, to, to progress the story, right? You, you collect these things around the world, you've collected them, and now you're ready to, to, to do the thing. At that point, story stuff actually happens in a very interesting way. And from that point forward, it actually gets real good because okay. it becomes super engaging because graphically the game is awesome looking. Mm -hmm. It's very impressive. The world, the characters, there's all it's, it's lighthearted. It's, it's comedic. It's, it's got a nice variety of awesome stuff going for it, except for the story until you get to that point. And once you get to that point forward, the story gets better and better and it gets more and more, interesting there is some so i've talked with my brother i've seen him go through uh, a lot of the story events you have to actually beat the game multiple times uh in order to get the best of the best endings that's just so ridiculous that's a big but, ask i think well so beating it multiple times is part of, I don't I don't want to really spoil anything, but it is part. It's built into the game. It's okay. part of the playing experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you'll understand once you beat it the first time. You'll understand. Oh, okay, all right. Things things aren't just ending here. There's more. Yeah. Because in yes, a big in a big way though, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it does give you the the credit roll, but it also gives you a very clear uh, distinction that hey, the things are not done yet. Mm -hmm. They could be better. Then why roll the credits? Well, for the people that want to tap out with a bad ending, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be me, because I didn't even make it to the 30 or 40 hour mark where things turn. I was just... 
I I mean I enjoyed it, but I'm like this like I need something else. Like this is very basic, and yeah. I just didn't have the time to invest to yeah, play the from, game. From from my brother, uh, the game goes from being one of the worst uh, Dragon Quest experiences, uh, and his favorite I think is eight Dragon Quest eight uh, or seven. The one that was on PS2. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know. That one. Okay. Uh, so it went from being, and he, he absolutely loved that one, to now this one being his overall favorite, just because that jump from before when story stuff was lackluster to that point, that middle point or third way point forward. It got real good, and he got really, really interested and involved with it. Because, and there's other things like the crafting system is very important, but it doesn't really roll out until you get like midway through the game, when now you're really getting involved with crafting better gear, and you have to farm enemies, and you have to find the enemies to farm okay. in order to get the crafting material that you need, and like, like you really start to get pulled in. But it takes like you know, a massive, you know, 40-hour investment yeah. for things to finally start to get good. I just couldn't do it. Maybe when I'm, like, super, super old and I have nothing to do, I'll play this game. Um, yeah, no, I just, my backlog was just way, it was just came in at a bad time. Um, but it, it is definitely something I, I want to get back into. Yeah. And and it was uh, Dragon Quest VIII from um, 04. From on P that was on PS2, it was P yeah PS2 Dragon Quest Eight. Cool. So that cool. Was, that was the the last favorite, and now this one has kind of trumped it as being the the latest and greatest favorite of the Dragon Quest games. The top dog, nice. The top dog. All right, cool. All right, number two. This is probably my all time favorite RPG ever. Uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 Definitive Edition. I've never mentioned this before, um, but I absolutely love this game. You always never mention it. I always never mention it. <laughs> um, I mean, this, let's just, let's tap around um, the actual turn-based combat. Alright, the story is really interesting. The characters in it are really, really, also really interesting. The uh, the soundtrack is perfect. It really... Oh, I absolutely love the soundtrack. I have played through this game three times. I wouldn't say perfect. I love it. It's perfect. Okay, John. I would say, you know, Xenoblade one-ups it. They're both perfect. Can can two things be perfect? Sure. Thank you. Actually, I can't remember <laughs> any of the songs and music from uh, from Divinity. And... I, ha I have them humming in my head right now, Johnny. Uh, yeah, yeah. Three times a champion, right? They they are so <laughs> delightful, <laughs> and, and and yes, I played through it three times, but every playthrough has been different because you can play through yeah. this game the so many different ways. Like there's um, there's so many different play styles that can be played. Yes, there are classes, I guess, but you can do so many different things within that that class where you don't have to go with with the norm. Now. Yeah, it your your initial class is not you're not stuck to it not at all you're, you're augmenting that as you develop your character you can 
stop. You know, if you if you wanted to be a spellcaster, you can just skip getting any more intelligence for the remainder of your of your initial playthrough with that character and start. You know, going into is it speed for for what? I I forgot what for what class. Uh, well, not not for class for a character. Was it speed as a uh, stat, or was uh, it dexterity? Uh, dexterity is is a stat. I don't think okay. speed is a stat. Yeah, I I forgot what the stat was <clears throat> called. But yeah, yeah, you could get you know something else and and just start getting skills of that school, like go into like archery or whatever. Uh, ranger. Yeah, but you can you can respec. There's a there's a magic mirror. You can respec all together at any point in time if if you wanted to, right in the middle of the game. Was that for free? For free. Yeah, this doesn't cost a thing. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yep. You just go to the magic mirror, and it's basically like you're starting a new character. You wow. can change. You can change your looks. You can change change everything. Um, and there there are there there are original characters, origin characters that you can play through. So, and they're and they're fleshed out really well. I have played through three of them, uh, each individual time. Um, but they all have their own their own their own stories. Now, again. You can play this game with up to four party members. I don't recommend ever playing it with four party members. You're crazy. It, because it can, it, where it gets difficult, especially in the beginning, it can turn off a lot of people in the beginning because the sharing of loot, the dividing of loot between four characters in the beginning can be really difficult. Towards, towards the middle or end game, it doesn't matter. A lot, most of you got most of the people have enough money. They're more not a lot of enough gear to go around. But in the beginning stages, it can be it can be kind of difficult. Yeah, I, and I think. Yeah, well, you, you're right because uh, there is a difference between our experiences. I play on PC, Divinity Two. You play on Switch. So. On con- on console, yeah. I played uh, yeah. originally. I played on the Xbox. Yep. Um. But yeah, and I generally just do Lone Wolf. You can do Lone Wolf with one other character, so you have two party members. That's generally how I've done all, all of my playthroughs, uh, just with two party members. Now, going in terms of combat, it is very much a strategy, tactical kind of RPG, where where each each uh, each individual takes takes their turn, uh, and you have a whole hot bar of, of spells, where but your action points kind of limit your movement and or spell taking or casting in in that aspect um, it's it's like a budget that you have mm-hmm. and you get you know whatever the number is 10 10 action points and you can spend that however you want based on what your what your character is going to do if you want to move uh very very far well you'll burn through all 10 of your action points right. if you want to move halfway then you burn five then you can use the remaining five to activate certain uh, passive abilities, or or do certain spell attacks, or do range attacks, melee attacks, what whatever it is that you need to do, mm-hmm. you can activate those with your remainder. Uh, or if you're staying put somewhere and there's an enemy within range of whatever attack that you're going to do, you can just spend all of your stuff attacking them, assuming they don't have cooldowns on some of those attacks that you're about to do. Right. Yeah. Some. Uh, so if you've taken an attack, that that cooldown could be so many rounds or whatever. Whatever it yeah. is, um, what special attacks typically have the cooldowns? Yeah, this this game may be the one of the closest things you have to a tabletop experience, like the true yeah. to, true to form uh, Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder uh, experience. 
Well, it cl very, very close to it um, when it comes to the full experience of right. doing a full campaign. When it comes to combat, there's there's definitely others that can that that have that very D and D combat based thing. But this mm -hmm. is one of them. This is a very you know tabletop RPG uh, combat based experience. In addition to having the full blown RPG role playing tabletop experience, and it doesn't even have to be solo. No, no, you can play this game online with, online with friends. Uh, not on the Switch, but on the 360, you can have couch co op. Uh, and yep. it, and that is almost seamless the way that works. I love the way it works. Couch co-op, uh, and does Switch does have a couch co-op. No, it doesn't. Just online. Just online co-op. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the real standout features for combat is the environmental uh, factors. Uh, basically, I could I could easily there there could be a barrel of oil, and I could I could get that barrel of oil. I can shoot some like, fire on that oil, and it will blow up, and it'll cause a big mess. Or I can take that oil, just put it on the ground, and it cause a big, big mess there. I can combine elements. Um, if there's, I can make it rain and shoot down electricity, and all of a sudden, that all, all that water is electrified. Um, there's also variation in height. So if you have a height advantage, uh, that could provide you with additional damage uh, on your rangers. And even even the blood that enemies yep. spill, blood itself is a fluid and therefore can conduct electricity. So if there's a pool of blood, you can electrocute that and anything standing in the pool of blood. That pool of blood can be electrified. It can be frozen. Um, yep. it, I think it might even I, it might be flammable. And there are some characters or different perks where if you're standing in the blood, it will you'll suck it up. You'll heal from it. Different. Um, oh, I mean, well, it's flammable if you're undead. Undead blood is poison. It's, yep. it's uh, and, oops, the green news or whatever. Yeah, if if you are undead, you cannot use regular health potions. You have to use poison to heal. Yep. Uh, so enemies will sometimes heal you, but in effect, they're damaging you. Uh, I've had I've had full experiences in in the game, and ex like I said, experience it one way. And I also have someone else who plays it and has done the same exact battle or whatever and just to manage through it in such different ways in yeah. it's just it's just so many different ways to like get through a quest or do something or, or just any single combat scenario it mm -hmm. gives you a very you have unique ways of going through it because midway through a combat scenario you know a chain a chain reaction of events could occur that kind of transforms the battlefield oh, yeah. midway through and you know things blew up now there's smoke that's blocking your vision. Yeah. Now you can't attack, range attack anything that's through within the smoke or past the smoke, and that becomes an obstacle to deal with. Yeah, yeah. There's just it's it, kind of like Breath of the Wild. The 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 number of mechanics that can interact with one another uh, in the systems in play that are just doing things. They they obey by these laws that the game engine has defined, and it works. Kind of like Breath of the Wild, how you can let grass on fire, that creates an updraft of wind, you can mm -hmm. then ride that wind up with the glider, right? All of these mechanics, all of these laws, these physics that exist within the game world that they have defined all working with one another in a very synergistic and compounding fun way. Right. And, and that it, happens in this game. Yeah, it promotes experimentation, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I've teleported enemies into lava 
or into death fog and they just immediately die or man i've done so many cool like awe-inspiring moments and i'm just by myself absolutely loving it Um, and then and then there's the storytelling the 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 very different decisions that you can make that changes the narrative in fairly dramatic ways oh yeah oh yeah this is absolutely one of my always recommended for people anybody who wants a turn-based game this is always one of my recommended games it's just a good game in general but and the only reason why this game is not number one is probably, and not to say that the number one game isn't bad, but it's it's basically a point of the Switch not being the most ideal way to play this game. Yeah. And that's the only reason why this game is not number one. The game is absolutely phenomenal. It's just the Switch is still a great place to play and, and an absolutely amazing game, but it's not the best place to play it. Right. I agree. I agree. The best place to play it. Would be the PC or maybe a uh, a stronger console, uh, uh, higher PC. powered, yeah, or higher power console. Uh, but this is one of the games that comes from PC world, right? But it is done and translated so well to the console, uh, like for controller. Um, the controller support in this game, amazing, 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 amazing. All right, uh, except for inventory. <laughs> Inven- What's wrong with the inventory? It's not for, you, but for me, like. Managing inventory between four characters perfectly fine. No, I I think the uh, the delving out of inventory. So, for example, especially yeah. if you're the same type of character, if you're both ranged characters, you you just can't. Early on, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you especially, take that arrowhead. I take this arrowhead. Yeah, you're it's, poison arrows. I'm shooting the fire arrows. It just can't work. It can't work. Right. I I don't share well. I don't play well in the sandbox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number one. Number one, drum roll, whatever. Anyway, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh yeah, we did it. it. Fire Emblem Three Houses tells a story. Three different sides of one of our. Is it four different sides of one story? It's three. Well, are you talking about the DLC stuff? Uh, kinda, kinda. Three different sides to the story. Three sides. There is no fourth side. Oh, th- I I consider. I don't want to spoil it. I'll, I'll talk. We'll discuss. There's a fourth side. I will discuss later. Uh, okay. But there, yeah, the DLC definitely. That's the fourth. That is a fourth side. So in, in ter- there are five sides. Well, uh, that that fourth side only takes place during the first half of the story. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll discuss what I think. Okay. What that what I think that is. Off screen, but anyway, so you got three sides to the story, um, and and they're all interesting. Like I think when we when we initially played this, right? Um, did who did you play as? Did you play as um golden deer? All right, and I played as the eagles, right? Um, the black eagle. Yep. We had totally different, not uh, I guess you could call it respect for different characters because of our outcomes, and um. And you, you did you ultimately play it on all three sides or or no? Uh, no, I it, it was 160 hours just to get through the Golden Deer story. <laughs> Granted, I did I min max that to all craziness. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, uh, but and it's it's very different. So the first half of the game, regardless of which house you pick, the events that happen are pretty similar to one another. Mm-hmm. But it's the second half of the game where things are dramatically different 
depending on which house you pick. Right. Their motivations are very different. Right. Yeah. It's it's you get a perspective difference on the houses on the first half, and then you see how that plays out on the second half. Fundamentally different, uh, both on the events that are taking place, the quests that are taking place, etc. That plays out very drastically different, as well as the endings, uh, based on those three different houses and their their involvement with all of the events that are occurring. Yeah. And it is amazing that they that they wrote a story like this in such a way that was very well thought out from multiple angles, well explained, makes sense on all these different angles, and all three of these different angles are all worthwhile experiences. Mm -hmm. And they feel different. Not only are they giving you like more information on different different perspectives, but they're they they feel like a very different way of 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 experiencing this story in a in a very fundamental way. As as I kind of mentioned to you, the Golden Deer felt very uh they felt like the good guys all the way through. Mm -hmm. That that play experience. Whereas uh, playing as other houses, uh, especially uh, the Blue Lions, for example, things aren't nice and pretty <laughs> and, 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 and rosy, rose-painted happiness trees, whatever. Okay, that's a good try. <laughs> things are bad. It gets real dark. Yeah, no, I, I think, I don't know about Golden Deer, but I do know the Blue Lions and the, and the Black Eagles, it does get very dark. Um, yeah. after after a big uh, story change. Now, let's let's focus here on... Uh, essentially, it's a dating sim. Let's just get that out there, okay? Yep. It is a dating sim. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to... You're essentially the teacher, right? So you're trying to recruit students. You're trying to, to blank students, all of them. You are trying to do a little bit of that, a little bit of that, but you're essentially trying to recruit students, and these students will fight... They all do very different things on the battlefield, and so... Uh, you can essentially, I, I don't know if you can recruit, recruit all of them. Um, almost all of them. Okay, almost all of them. And again, they all play a part on, on the battlefield. And talk about the battlefield. It is a grid-based strategy RPG, or maybe tactical. I don't know. I think those terms, I think, kind of... Strategy and tactical. Yep. Yeah, they, they kind of blend together most of the time. And so you have your heroes, which are your teachers. and and your students, and um, essentially, here's here's one thing, one gripe I had with Fire Emblem, is that all the battle scenarios, for the most part, were the same, whereas yep. essentially just eliminate the, the enemies. And I would like to have seen, and there's some escort type of stuff, like escort this guy to there, I would like to see a lot more variety and just maybe some some different stuff. Yeah, in the mission design, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. Quests, that yeah. that was one of my biggest gripes. But other than that, the the story is is airtight. It's on on point. Excellent, and not not only that, but the individual, the way they detail each individual character, it feels they are they all feel they all have their own personal story. Mm -hmm. Which is like their backstory, and they all they all have their own development developing arc to them. Right. Each individual character, and there's over thirty 
different characters that you can recruit in this game. It is cre well more, probably close to 40 or maybe even over 40. It is ridiculous how many characters you can recruit. Each character, each individual one, is very, very well written. I haven't come across a single character that I did not care for. And they also, they kind of interact a little bit with, with each other, too. There are, I a think, lot. what not, are those? Not a whole lot. What are those moments called? They, they're called something. Um, where, uh, where? They, so they can develop, not only can your, you, the teacher, uh, develop a relationship with your students, the students develop relationships with one another, support. And they can have these support chats with one another once they develop, uh, once their relationship develops far enough. They can have a, a a chat with one another to enhance to level up their support level, mm -hmm. uh, and that can be taken to a certain uh, degree. And depending on on which characters uh, support one another, you'll get very interesting developments in their individual stories as well as the story itself, and can even lead into acquiring brand new side missions. Oh yeah, together, yep. and even that support. It it plays out on the battlefield. So if those two support, or if those two characters um, are uh, alike similarly, or they like, they like each other, not, not in a lovey sort of way, but they, they get if along they really well. Support level. Yes. If they have a high enough support level, they're actually bonuses given on the battlefield. Yeah. Uh, they, which... they work well with one another, the better their relationship. So, and that, that ties to, it's not just, it, it's a lot of each individual character is going to have multiple bonds that they can mm -hmm. uh, develop with many other characters. Now, your character is the teacher. The teacher can develop bond with every character. So right. your teacher is definitely the best one for stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, it's, it is a very well-executed well game. Um, it, it is the definitive Fire Emblem game. It's the best... Fire Emblem game in the franchise, and there is... It's so good that I actually don't recommend people going back and playing the older Fire Emblem, because it's just that big of a leap between really? you know, the older ones. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. It, and the whole uh, navigating, that, that central hub, that headquarters, the, the... The school, I guess? The monastery. What was it called? The Galgamech Monastery? That doesn't sound right. Uh, Gaelic Mock? Garrig Mock? Garrig Mock? Mock Monastery. That sounds, it sounds right. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while, even though I dumped a crazy amount of time into that game. Uh, so, yeah, it has that central monastery school area that you can wander around. There's multiple uh, things, uh, characters that you can talk to. You can spend as little or as much time as you want into those things. You have the quality of life stuff. If you want to just get through and experience the story, you can automate the daily activities that happen so you don't have to bother with that. Or you can be like me and min-max like crazy and spend 160 hours to beat the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I think I put a, a decent amount of time uh, into, into the game with just one house. I don't know that I could go through playing the game again I think if I was to want to, if I wanted to experience the other houses, I would just look up some videos online and basically yeah. experience the house uh, um, or experience it that way. Because I don't think the gameplay um, really is going to change much. 
Well, it, it does incentivize uh, a little bit. You get to, um, I forgot what it was. You get to carry over or spend. It gives you like something to spend. Um, and it gives you, I think it's items and I forgot what that stuff was called. It's the, when you're developing those statues, the saint statues. I, I, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Though. Uh, you can it gives you a lot of that, so you can kind of hit the ground running real okay. good. You carry over. There's something major that you can carry over too. I forgot what it was, but you can carry over. I think it's your your teacher, your professor level. Okay. I think carries over. I think oh, wow. I could have that really wrong though, so I'm not, <laughs> not doubling down on that. But it does it, it does give you incentives to do New Game Plus, and what I would recommend for people because New Game Plus storyline wise is definitely going to be worth it. Yeah, storyline-wise, for sure. Yeah, and what I would recommend is when you're doing New Game Plus and you want to get the other schools' uh, story, like the other the other houses' stories, uh, just put on easy mode. Yeah, just kind of freeze through, through the combat and put on easy mode. Yeah, yeah, you could you could do that, and it's, yeah, yeah, that would that would work out as well. Uh, one thing we didn't mention it it can be permadeath as well, although um, permadeath. It's not default, but it, it is it is easy to get around it. I guess you could say. You got the uh, the turn back time. Yeah, mechanic. yeah, that's what I mean. So you you can it's very easily uh, fixed if you do lose a character. Although I did lose a character um, in in my playthrough because I'm I'm not I'm not a good teacher. Yeah. So yeah, uh, what I would also recommend is just. Don't play in classic mode with the permadeath. It's not a game like this, the Fire Emblem franchise, and it has taken me multiple Fire Emblem games to finally realize this. It's just better without permadeath. Yeah. Because these aren't disposable units. These aren't disposable things that you could just throw away. Like, uh -huh. people should die in warfare. In Fire Emblem, the way that they have designed it, they encourage you not to to save everyone. It's very bad when someone dies yeah. because you're not getting new characters. There's no way to to <laughs> take someone who just died and then oh, that was the my knight is dead, so I'll just hire a new knight. You can't do that. No, you can't. Yeah. I'm just bad. Yeah. Just very bad. But, all right, so maybe we've been like for our number one, we're kind of like hitting us pretty hard, whereas on uh, Divinity, we've been like all praise on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It feels weird. It, it I, don't, I, I, don't yeah. I don't think we hit Fire Emblem hard. I mean, it does have its, you know, it does have its criticism. I think where Fire Emblem really shines the most is, is the story, um, with, without a doubt. Um, the the turn-based mechanics in there, um, I don't know that they that it does anything really that that special, to be honest. It doesn't do anything special, but it definitely takes because Fire Emblem the combat system was always kind of like a bubblegum simple simplification of something that is typically presented very very complex. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a total war, a turn-based total war game, or like a Romance of the Three Kingdoms style game, but it's they simplified a lot of the nuances. Yeah. Right. You just go up to an enemy and you attack them, and then that's it. You control your next unit to go up to an enemy and attack them. In three houses, they gave you the gambits to work with, and the so you got these 
unique skills and abilities that you can activate and use. So they have expanded on what was essentially a very simplistic uh, way of playing the game, and they finally have expanded it in a significant way with the gamuts. The gamuts given you very unique abilities that can fundamentally cause a difference. I'm not saying it's for the better or worse, but it does make it more nuanced, mm -hmm. whereas prior Fire Emblem games, depending on how you play them, uh, it's really just like pair up two units to make one mega unit to then steamroll everything. <laughs> uh, but what the gambits are, basically they're like a, a set of troops, right? A set of troops that accompany a student, um, yep. and they provide like a, like a, like a bonus, right? Well, it's more than just a bonus. They provide a bonus uh, to the stats, yep. but they also provide an ability. That ability okay. could be an attack. It could be an attack that also repositions an enemy. It could be an attack that hits multiple enemies. And the big thing about the gambit, uh, especially the gambit attacks, is that they you won't get attacked back by the enemy. So right. it prevents retaliation. Right. I mean, I don't, yeah, I didn't want to sound like we were poo-pooing the game. It, it definitely, definitely does do good stuff. It but. does great. And another big thing to praise this, and we didn't really touch on it too, too much, is the te being, filling the role, or fulfilling the role of being a teacher at Hogwarts Castle. Like, <laughs> right, like that, that Harry Potter role playing that you always wanted to be a teacher at, 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 at Hogwarts, like, this is it. Right, right. The best sort of, you are the teacher, these are your students, educate them, train them. This is the game. Like, uh, I've never, I haven't played any other game that even comes close to scratching that that sort of awesome itch of raising, uh, met, you know, uh, students or, 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 or underlings into right. being full-fledged uh, Under, underlings underlings <laughs> I, I don't know students underlings what else do you call them uh students <laughs> oh i said that oh okay. well you said underlings um, i said students underlings do, trying to find a third <laughs> do you have a favorite character oh man i have a lot of favorite characters there's only one you only have one only one uh i really do like claude yeah, Claude. I, I, Claude attracted me right from the moment where I got I got the indication that he was uh, a promoter of liberty and uh, someone who wanted who didn't think of things at surface level and always thought about ulterior. Uh, he was a skeptic, basically. Basically, he he is the skeptic. So he's and right in, right in line with you then. It's yeah, absolutely. That's it. it, it <laughs> Felt like Claude was a lot like me, how I thought. So that's what attracted me the most to to Claude. Uh, I very much liked him. Yeah, I like I like Petra. I I don't know what it was about her. Petra is awesome. I Petra is also one of my favorites too. Yeah, she was really cool, and she was like one of my go tos. Like she was just instant kill everything. Yeah. Yeah. She, she and good, she might but... and she might have had something going on with the teacher. I think I, I'm not sure. I think there's something. <laughs> I think there was something going on there, but um, it, it was definitely a misunderstanding though. Because <laughs> cause she's like like underage, I believe at this point, right? Isn't she? No, no, she's the foreign exchange student. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She doesn't. 
it's just great how they how they play that out. Like her her apprehension of of the language that they speak is different. Mm-hmm. So she's always like, "How do you say this again?" Uh, as the kicking of the donkey goes. Right. It was I, just it was just cute. Oh no, you're supposed to say. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was cute. I, I I liked it. Yeah, but but like I said, she was just like my instant kill. Like whatever I wanted to, I just sent Petra there. They were done. They were done for. Yeah. All right. So that is our list of our top. I don't know, almost forty-ish, but mostly top twenty. What do you guys think? Did we miss anything? I don't. I don't think we missed anything. Nah, we didn't miss anything at all. No, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Don't we forget. To... Yeah. What was that? We we mentioned everything. We yeah. Got we, them all. we got them all. Uh, so yes, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Ha, <laughs>